Hey there, it's Jeff Cullen and Mark Hughes, and this is the seventh episode of the Connect Two podcast. Welcome. Hey, Mark. Hey, Jeff. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Things are, uh, you know, midsummer. It's all good. Midsummer doldrums. Yeah, a little smoky. The heat's passed, so now we're under this blanket of smoke, and it's cool. So I don't know. Well, it did. <laughs> I, I don't think it rained last night, but it feels like it's going to rain. Yeah, they've been saying that for a few days. So, uh, <laughs> We could use it. That's for sure. That is for sure. Yeah. Hey, I mean, have you seen like Penticton this morning? Those pictures. It looks like uh, it looks like Mordor, man. Like the smoke and the fire on the on the horizon. It's no, terrifying. I have not. I have not seen. So, I have not been paying a lot of yeah. attention to the news. So it's a little bit of smoke. I think we can we can live with. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember a few years ago when I think it was the Kelowna fires, and it was just it was terrible. It was so thick you couldn't actually go outside without. Yeah. It hurt in your throat. That's right. So, anyway, it's the world we live in. It is. So, uh, what's in our mailbag today? We actually have our first official piece of mail. Oh, my. And if it wasn't official, could I do this? (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. It is a letter from uh, an acquaintance of both of ours, a gentleman that we've known for years uh, who's a fan of the show. Oh, excellent. A gentleman named Chris Miller. And uh, so, Chris writes. Uh, hi, Mark and Jeff. Uh, you were discussing servant leadership uh, in episode three. And Mark recounted the story about how when his dad passed away, his boss told him to go and do whatever he needed to do and come back when he was ready. Mark recalls it as being a very important moment in, and a memory in his career. During my time at Sintra, where he used to work for you, yep. uh, Mark described that story and taught me the value of that philosophy and approach when employees are in moments of personal distress. I've always remembered that approach as well and continue to utilize it with both my staff and students. I describe it as life first and family first always. Like Mark and his boss before him, I always just say, go and deal with life and family and come back when you're ready. It's always received with such surprise, relief, and gratitude. So I just wanted to let you and and Mark know that the legacy of that gesture from your boss to you so many years ago continues to live on in my approach to dealing with students and employees. That's awesome. That's a bit Sincerely like a pay it, like a bit of a pay it forward. Yeah. Thing. So there you go. So keep them coming folks. We uh you know, we're we're we enjoy and I think we got a couple more subscribers on the uh the Podbean uh website. I saw that I think we're up to like 6 subscribers. So, you know, I feel the momentum. It's starting to it's starting to build. <laughs> that's awesome yeah it's uh it's coming along it's coming along I, I think we're getting we're covering a lot of territory though that's for sure we are covering a lot of territory so speaking of uh, territory what are two new things you learned this week two well okay uh the first one i learned is that vaccines apparently work if you uh <laughs> lots of talk in the news about you know these it's amazing uh percentage of people who you know, those that are, are suffering uh, are unvaccinated. You know, it's like, oh, like right. over 99, like ni- I've heard like 99.9, 99.2, but like almost 100%. Well, and there are and some so, breakthroughs, but the breakthroughs are such, a, such an incredibly small percentage. Yeah. People are focusing on the wrong aspect of it. It's just that the, if, if you're unvaccinated, you're a big risk. If you are vaccinated, it's pretty small. And my son just got his second shot today so congratulations yeah, yeah our a big deal. Uh, soon to be 12 year old is the last last man standing now he's just can't wait to get it so uh, <laughs> february that's so. awesome so that's one thing it's two uh what was the other thing that i said oh <laughs> turns out mastering things is difficult 
So you know I'm a drummer, right? Yes. And so I've been I've been playing for years, and I have to admit a lot of stuff that I've done over the years is kind of shortcuts and and doing you know, and I want to say the easy way, but self-taught, put it that way. Okay. And now I've been working with phenomenal YouTube videos and going back and and sort of revisiting fundamental stuff. And YouTube is particularly boy, good. it's good it's tough. Them. Really? To, to go back and deconstruct and something that you thought you were doing, you know, kind of one way and then look at how it's actually done the right way. And, and so I'm finding it to be a very interesting challenge. Good, though. I mean, I think it pays off in the end, but suddenly it's like, wow, I had no idea this was actually so hard. So that's fun. That's awesome. <laughs> Um, I'll tell you what two things I learned this week. Um, the Hubble spacecraft. So these are out of the world kind of. Uh, okay. Two Some things space, things. space stuff. Things. Yeah. So the first thing, the Hubble spacecraft has been out of commission for a while, for the last uh, few weeks, primarily because they've been having these random errors. And they couldn't figure out what was going on. They were just getting irregular uh, things. But what they did find out, because they thought it was their computer, Right. Was that they have a, a main computer and a backup computer, but both okay. computers were showing exactly the same errors. Wow. So they were able to isolate that. In fact, it wasn't the main computer. And um, they thought, because right now, the Hubble's last uh, service was in 2009, and it's been okay. up and operating for about 30 years since the late 80s. Right. And um, there is currently no way to go and service the Hubble aircraft. They, they don't have any ability to... Oh, without they, the shuttle. There's no... The space shuttle, it was one of the, the later trips for the space okay. shuttle. Right. And uh, there is no way for them to go fix it. They have no... There's no robotic way because I think it's at an, an altitude that is just too high for some and not high enough for another, others. Interesting. So it's um, off warranty then. It's off warranty. <laughs> <laughs> long off warranty. So they discovered that it was the power control unit. So there are two of them now, and they they spent time, and they now everything on on the Hubble has a backup. So right. they have now officially moved to the backup for the power control unit, and and there's a couple of other things that are in the backup. So now those systems are the last systems. So okay. if they fail, they're That's done. It. They're We're done. Hu Hubble is done. Yeah. But Elon, uh, Elon will go fix it. Yeah, it's, it's going. It's <laughs> working right go now. Go fix it. Well, uh, so uh, so the second thing I learned was that so uh, Neil Armstrong was the first man on the moon. Correct. Right? So he. Well, assuming you buy into all. <laughs> okay, we're not talking <laughs> conspiracy, but so when um, when uh, the eagle landed, yes, there's two parts. That's to right. It. There's actually three parts to it. There's the capsule that they're in. Right. Um, yeah, well, it was the command module that, that stayed in orbit. That's right. Right, Michael Collins. Yeah. Hoping they were going to come back. <laughs> yeah. So so when they took off, the, there's, a, there's a portion of the... The lem. The, yeah. the lem that actually went and stayed in space, and then they, they returned. Right. So it's actually been rotating around the moon. And... The moon has got an irregular is 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 not even. So if you yes. the gravity is very irregular as right. you circle it, so it's difficult to get an orbit that's stable around the moon because okay. your gravity keeps turning. So what ends sure. up happening is you end up getting closer and further and closer and further. Right. But there are certain uh, inclinations you can have 
that allow for things to stay around. And, and there's been this open source thing okay. where they've gone and estimated the location of the, 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 lamb, the yeah. lamb, what's left of it. Right. That was circling the yeah, moon. Yeah, because it's it's very thin. Like it was almost like a like a foil wall construction, right? Like it's right. not it was, a robust. It was not robust. Thing. However, there is apparently a good chance that unless a propellant tank or something exploded or went spinning out of control, right? That in fact it's still there. Wow. So um, most other things that circle the moon actually end up crashing into the moon. Okay. Uh, and in fact, the guy who was trying to do this was trying to figure out where it had where crashed. Where it crashed. And he discovered that, in fact, it probably it not hasn't have. crashed. Wow. That's, but only the first one because there was one. Just the first one from Apollo 11. Okay. So, uh, so what yeah. do they do with the other ones? Um, some of them, so some of them, they've done all different kinds of stuff. So there's a couple that they actually turned into deep space and and turned on the engine and say bye really there's a couple of them there's a couple they intentionally crashed to try and <laughs> once again humans just cluttering shit up <laughs> well and there's a couple they intentionally crashed near uh seismic um oh, monitoring stuff to right see how to see. see how it uh, would show up and to, right. to measure the, the infamous the bell rang like a moon rang like a bell experiment exactly yeah wow yeah so they think it's still up there they think it's still up there, and Elon's as, gonna get it. <laughs> well, and there's a there. A, so the as a bonus, um, if you uh, if you take a, if you take a snow globe, approximate snow snow globe, okay, and and say that's the Earth, and yes. you want to say how far away the uh, the moon is, right? Relative, it's thirty feet away, so it's pretty far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, and if you want to see how far the International Space Station is, it's three-eighths of an inch away from right. the snow globe. And if you want to know where Jeff Bezos and uh, and um, His uh, Richard Branson, Branson Oh, where went, they went, yeah. They went an eighth of an inch. So yeah. uh, so you kind of get a bit of an idea of scale. Yeah. Woohoo, yeah. we've been to space. <laughs> yeah, not Me, really. Maybe. <laughs> kind of. Not really. <laughs> wow. But That's anyway. phenomenal, right? Yeah. Interesting. So it's... Uh, well, I heard Buzz Aldrin's happy that they found it because he left his keys in it. So he's <laughs> hoping to get those back. <laughs> exactly. So today we're talking about um, um, Brené Brown's uh, philosophy regarding leadership, correct? Yeah, one of her philosophies. So Brené Brown is uh, an American academic who I believe has a, her background is like social work, right? She's a PhD in, in social work. And she's been studying, well, she calls herself a shame, like she's, you know, the, the concepts of shame. And, and out of that has come, you know, a variety of things. But one of them has been leadership. And she's, of course, been consulting now and she's become somewhat in demand, right? She did that TED Talk and, and uh, if you listen to her talk like on her podcast, she thought this is going to be this little thing and then, Boom! Like I don't know how many millions of people have watched. Well, I know that sometimes talk, she's a bit right? of a potty mouth. So she is a bit. Yeah, she doesn't. Uh, Isn't she from Texas? She's Texas? from Texas, yeah. and and very proud of it. So so both my wife and I enjoy her podcasts. My wife, my um, my wife adores Brene Brown, but I have to say that I I have not really listened to very much of it. Well, so. I think she's very authentic in in like she's not she's not putting on airs, right? She's very real, and and which is interesting because that's kind of what this philosophy of leadership is 
And so, yeah, so I'm going to talk a little bit about um, daring leadership, which really lays out in uh, one of her books, the book called Dare to Lead, although she alludes to it in previous books. Now, now really, last, last week, I think you recalled... We I called it brave leadership, yes. But, but it's and, actually and, daring. And I was wrong. It's daring leadership. It's okay. You know, so. we all make mistakes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I dared to be wrong. <laughs> Uh, so the first thing I'll just explain, I guess, about it, and by by no means would I consider myself an expert, but I mean, this is the stuff that I find fascinating. And I mean, it's relatable to, I think, even our experiences, you know, having worked in, in industry and having had employees over a year. So she talks first of all about armored leadership. Okay. And I think this is kind of what a lot of us would be familiar with. And in term, you know, so to define armored leadership, you could say that it is, uh, it's, uh, it's sort of protected. It's, there's a lot of fear and shame, you know, so having people that are afraid of you and you're trying to appear as sort of the person who's always in control, she'll talk about, um, it's more important to be, you know, seen as the knower and, and be right than to be seen as the learner and get it right. Right. Um, we tried to avoid feelings when we're talking about armored leadership and you know, the more I was reading about it, I thought a lot of our, our society, I think is built on this. If you think about, uh, well, I'm sure the school system and the healthcare system and, and there's what a they lot teach doctors, of, a lot and, of businesses that are clearly yeah, using armored leadership. That's right. I think it's our, it's become our default maybe because we've come out of the scientific and the industrial revolution. But this, the, the whole idea, I guess at the end of it is, we adopted this belief that feelings and and call them the soft skills, although um, Tom Peters calls them the hard skills, really have no place in our organizations, right? So this whole idea of come in in the morning, take your feelings off like they're your coat, put them in your locker and leave them there. And that's kind of become, you know, our, our that's been the go-to for a long time, right? This belief that you can disassociate from your feelings. And the truth of the matter is it's not, it doesn't really work. Like it might work in the short term. And again, the belief is that somehow you'll be more productive and you'll make better decisions. But the reality is, is that you can't really do that. And so you, I guess you fake it. And then you sort of, it becomes this social construct where we're all avoiding each other's feelings, right? It's not like we're well, magically I, I, not having them, but it's just like, no, 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 we're not, we're not even going to go there. Well, I've always, um, in, in my experience, is, is twofold. One is that if, an, if, if one of your staff uh, is having a bad time at home, he will be having a bad time at work. Right. And if things are Absolutely. going well at work, uh, at home, uh, usually they're, they're doing better at work. The other thing is that there are some, I've, I've, in my journeys, I've had lots of employees over time, and um, there are definitely some employees that want to have that disassociation. They kind of say, this is work, and this is home, and yeah. never the two will Engineers. Mix. But, um, <laughs> and, and I just I just don't believe that. Yeah. Although I do think that a little tiny bit of fear is not a bad thing. Like it, you still need to have a little bit of an edge, but you don't need to, you don't want to rule by fear. Right. You want people to be aware that they're off, how, what they do has consequences and those consequences could be negative, but you don't want them to be living in and operating in fear. 
No, I, I totally agree. And and I, I think sometimes people get the impression that this kind of stuff is about people sitting at their desk, you know, weeping, and, and, and that's not really what it is. It's, it's bringing the feeling, the emotional side to even the mundane. So you take an example of, of trying to solve a problem and how many organizations, you know, do you have this kind of hierarchy of, of well, nobody questions a boss or you might have somebody at the table who, who has a really good idea and yet because of a fear of embarrassment or, or um, whatever, right, just like doesn't say anything or so there's all these like group think and, and, and right. Well, I just, uh, I just, um, on the weekend, I, I met up with a, a former employee of mine who now okay. works at a much bigger organization and said it was a big change when she went from working for us to working for, for this other organization, because, um, uh, in the past, I mean, people would just come in and talk to me in my office, right. and ask me questions about technical issues or whatever. And, uh, but where she's at, you're not allowed to do that. You can only talk to your supervisor. So yeah, you may so have a manager that you work for, but you're not allowed to talk to the manager. You have to talk to your supervisor, and the supervisor can relay your concerns. <laughs> and don't so volunteer for anything the manager asks for unless the supervisor so, is aware. So that would definitely be armored, armored <laughs> to, to the extreme. So some of the you know elements of daring leadership, it, vulnerability is a big thing, mm -hmm. right? And so, again, this idea that you can be the leader and readily admit sometimes, I don't know, right? Like not having to have to have all the answers or always sort of be the person in control. Now, again, you know, some people, I think, hear this thing, well, it's just a free-for-all. And that's not what it's about. It's, it's so accountability exists. You know, there's still some level of hierarchy, but it becomes more authentic and less less wearing masks and pretending that, you know, everything is fine when in reality it's not fine. So the, my favorite quote about this, mm -hmm. well, a couple of things. First of all, she talks about how this has become a little bit of a, a buzzword, right? That bring your, you bring your whole self to work. So this is because, like so many things in business, people will read a book and go, like, oh, we want people to bring their whole self. And she talks about how people then do that and everybody freaks out. It's like, you know, <laughs> wow, what's going on? Like, you know, why are you grumpy? Or, and it's like, I brought my whole self to work. So she's talking about this has to become really authentic. And right. again, we're not saying that if somebody has got an unpleasant personality or, or having really, you know, uh, debilitating problems that it's like, yeah, yeah, no, sure. It's just more authentic human connection. So my favorite line in the book is she talks about severing the heart from, you know, the workplace. Not not literally, obviously. But she says, when, when we imprison the heart, we kill courage. And, you know, the more I think about where we're at today as a society and some of the problems we're facing, I think, whether it be politically or, or environmentally, I mean, that's something we really need a lot more of, right? Courageous workplaces, you know, the ability to try something new or, or to try something and then be able to admit, whoops, you know what? Um, that didn't work and we're not going to crucify people for it. We'll just be able to admit it. Like we made a mistake. Well, it's easier, you know, like easier, authentically, it's, honestly, it's easier so. to try something, evaluate it, 
figure out if it worked or not and if it didn't work make a different decision yeah but what you don't want to do is be stuck in some sort of paralysis mode where you can't move forward because you're afraid of making a decision right or alternatively you made a decision and you're unprepared to unmake that decision because you got to be a bit more nimble and willing to deal with the reality as it presents itself yeah no exactly well you know just to sort of close it out when i when i pull back and think about it I've known so many people who are, you know, when you get to know them one-on-one, really mm-hmm. decent folk. And yet they seem when they're in, in a position of leadership to adopt this adversarial, almost sort of punitive approach really? to the people. And it's like, oh, you know, these people can't be trusted or almost like an overbearing parent. And I used to think, wow, these people are just mean, right? But the more I've been reading this book, I think I realized it's two things. A, it's a, a certain fear, mm-hmm. right? Like, oh my God, like if, I, if I don't show, what do you want to call it? Toughness or, or uh, you know, skill or almost an infallibility, yep. then I'm going to be exposed. And so driven by fear, then you just, you know, like you try to impose this, this sheen of I'm in control. I know what's going on. You know, do what I say. And in reality is it, it, it doesn't work. So it's kind of like a work face and then a work face. Exactly. Mm. So a lot of what she's talking about is we need to continue to learn the skills. And I think that's the other side of it too, is people don't, they don't teach you this stuff in school. They don't, the school system, like I said, is more the old industrial, like leave your feelings at home, come to school. And, and you know, we don't want, we don't want a lot of that messiness. <laughs> and I think that then carries on through university. Yeah. You know, certainly business school traditionally has been about, you know, the, the charts and the graphs and you know here, here's an organizational behavior class we're throwing in kind of you know well i mean there are definitely but. especially in business there are definitely some people that always want to make things appear good even if they're not right so there's uh i mean there's there's definitely people that want to mask and, and some people do it um out of laziness sometimes people do it just for show but yeah um, yeah well, and I think you you know this from experience firsthand. The other side of that disassociated from from feelings, it's not always about coddling people, but I've certainly seen a lot of managers or owners who kind of avoid the problems as well, yeah. right? So who don't hold people accountable, who don't, you know, kind of, um, I guess, honestly provide people with feedback. So I think it works both sides. There, there's this sort of that callous, don't bring your problems, but then the other side sometimes is like, uh, I'm just going to avoid this this bad performance thing or, or because I'm it's uncomfortable to talk about it. Right. Well, I, I, maybe I, I can promote that person. <laughs> they don't they're not my problem anymore. Well, I, I always think that there's um, so with businesses, it's easy to get so wrapped up in the doing the business that you don't actually think about the business. Yeah, and true enough. I always uh, compare it to um, to uh, the difference between motion and movement. Ah, and uh, right. so so you can flap your arms up and down really hard and you'll get tired. That's a lot of motion, <laughs> but you're not going to fly. You're not going to move. Right. So uh, it, so it, it, it's easy to be busy. It's easy to have lots of stuff on the go. And but but you might not be going anywhere. And um, so it's important to keep kind of that perspective. Yeah. Well, and I, again, I think that's exactly an aspect of this daring leadership idea is to have the courage to, 
you know, because sometimes things become kind of the habit, right? Yeah, it's absolutely. tough to stand up and say, hey, despite the fact that everybody feels like they've been working really hard, all we're really doing is flapping our arms yeah. and, and we're not really making progress. That requires a certain fortitude, right? Yeah, to, to stand up and say that and not have, you know, particularly if you're not the boss, right? Like to sort of speak truth to power. But again, I think it's it's more and more what we need. So I love that idea of courage, you know, it requires that heart connection and, and makes a difference. I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah, so. there you go. Excellent. <laughs> All right. That sounds really cool. I, uh, I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that topic up. Oh, me. yeah. Thank you. So uh, moving on, uh, what media have you been consuming this last, last week? You know so? what? I've started actually watching some old shows on DVD. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I'm watching WKRP on our I have the you get portable. the hamster running in the treadmill to yeah. get the thing rolling. I have a, I have a the uh, hand crank. I think it was last year for Father's Day. I actually asked for a, a portable DVD player. So, <laughs> you know, because. I, I would laugh and say, do they still make those things? But I just bought a brand new truck camper and it only comes with a DVD player. I'm going like, it's not even well, a Blu-ray Well, this is also player. a Blu-ray DVD. This is not a Blu-ray. You know what I wanted camper. it for? Like, like so many people, we watch a lot, you know, watch a lot of shows in bed or all over the place you get you get kind of uh spoiled right with the uh the mobile screen the ipad or whatever yeah but there's a bunch of shows that we have on dvd it's like i don't want to go downstairs sit in the dark in the living room and watch this i want to watch it in bed so i got this portable dvd player and you know it's about the size of a tablet bit heavier but it works beautifully right oh, so so yeah, a little bit of WKRP. If you couldn't tell, that was uh, Chef's Gifts. And uh, I think maybe some Barney Miller. Just stuff I've had around for a long time. Because we were talking about Abe Vigoda. Absolutely. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, okay, I'm going to finally dig out that Barney Miller complete series. and, and, and Wow, you're, you're so, a brave man. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> so uh, I, uh, I, I have a bit of a reputation in our house and with a few friends of sometimes watching really cheesy science fiction. So I actually did. I watched a series. I kind of binge watched this. Um, I, oh, I have Disney Plus, and yep. on Disney Plus, there's uh, there's a TV series called uh, The Inhumans. The Inhumans. Inhumans. Was that yeah. the Marvel? Yeah, it's a Marvel Marvel thing. Anyway, Anson it, Mount. Uh, I'm not sure. It uh, I, it's not very good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I watched I thought, the whole I series. It the got canceled. Yes. And that's right. uh, the the thing is, is the so it's based upon a whole series of of comic books that they had that played out okay on comic books. Yeah. But it didn't really translate. That so the lead character is this king, this inhuman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His I, name this is, is the one. Black Bolt. Black Bolt. Yeah, that's Anson Mote, who now is the actor. Oh who's yeah. Who's now in uh, Star Trek, uh, oh, playing yeah. Christopher Pike. That's right. right? Yeah. Oh, anyway, so here's the catch: Black Bolt doesn't talk. Oh boy. So he doesn't talk because he's got the superpower that allow that if he says a word it will destroy things it's one of the most powerful of the inhumans anyway here's the catch is that <laughs> that really <laughs> makes for a very very weak structure when your main protagonist can't actually say anything now in the comic books you can have thought bubbles you can do sure. all kinds of stuff and they're not really talking, but in like in a visual medium, like I think they would have thought about that. Uh, 
Anyway, um, so I, that was intended to be a, a tie-in to Agents of Shield because yeah. I remember when that when it came out, everybody was excited and then immediately disappointed. It was like, well, there were what the hell there was were that? apparently some tie-ins on yeah, certain episodes of Agents right. of Shield, and uh, yeah, it bombed. It bombed pretty <laughs> bad. Um, <laughs> but you yeah, watched it anyways. I watched it anyway. It was okay. How many episodes? Uh, eight. Oh, I didn't think they they'd even had that many episodes. Had eight, yeah. Okay. So anyway, so uh, I anyway. might give it a sniff. We'll see. So uh, yeah, I think they're about forty minutes each. So uh, yeah, that's three hundred minutes of my life. I'll never right. get back. Well, we watched <laughs> we watched Black Widow. Oh, uh, I have not watched. Yes, and I did Very... watch the end. I uh, did watch the end of Loki. Yeah, so did we. And I have to say, it was really confusing. <laughs> now I. I I've watched lots of. You got you got to know your Marvel lore. Oh man, yeah. There's so much. He never stuff. said Kang. He just called himself the Conqueror. I had many. And everybody names. was like, "Oh, yes, it's Kang." It's Kang, <laughs> Kang, and yeah. So it's it was of which uh, there's something like 15 versions in the in the in the Marvel universe as well. So yeah, it's it's they're, uh, they're setting up many many movies. But it's really. Uh, <laughs> For the uninitiated, and now I, I was vaguely aware of it, but I had no idea. It's so complicated. So yeah. for the uninitiated, it would be really hard to follow. But um, but you were right. You called it. Although he didn't actually say his he name didn't say his Kang. name, but they knew he was going to be in the the new Ant Man movie. Yeah. So anyway, we watched Black Widow, and uh, it was really good. It I, was, I felt a little bit guilty about killing the the movie theater industry. Because there's been a lot of talk about that. $60 million to Disney Plus they made on Black Widow, which uh, is phenomenal when you think about it. Right? Absolutely. Because it's, that's right all to Disney's pocket. They're not paying well, and if you wanna, theaters and distribute. Like, nobody's getting a piece of that pie. So it's like, huh, interesting. If you want right? to get it on Disney Plus and don't pay for it, you have to wait till like November. Right. So uh, yeah. and I think it's in Canada. It's like thirty four. It was thirty four ninety nine. Yeah. yeah, but we did the math, right? So four of us watching it, and I mean, if you go to the theater, it's, you know, what twelve bucks a ticket, and then you got to be buying the snacks, and so it's you never get out under for four of us under like eighty bucks. So mm, it was like exactly. this is good. Drank beer, watched a movie, really enjoyed it. Like great closure to that character slotted in right between uh infinity uh, uh civil war and uh infinity war so you know they kind of made some links and uh they've set up the secret scene sets up um hawkeye uh which will be on disney plus and so again it, it was a good fit and what i really liked was they really gave it to to natasha uh, or scarlett johansson like there was no cameos like they didn't clutter it up with uh, let's have nick fury pop up and no they just went this is your movie, you know. We're gonna we're gonna build out your your arc, your story, and not not tie it in. I mean, well, obviously yeah. ties into the universe, but went like just do your thing. It was really good. Well, I think um, there's this uh, criteria, and I can't. I came up a number of years ago based on it's based on like uh, women characters. Like, do they have a last name? Do they, oh, uh, the are they, uh, something like the Bechdel score or something. Some, right? Something. Do like they that. have conversations? Do they have conversations that are not about? A male character exactly yeah. is, is yeah, there yeah, not yeah. a love interest and all that stuff and my right. understanding is that black widow kind of checks all the boxes for it which uh, a lot of movies do not that's right well and i think that's why there's there was a bit of you know if you just follow the internet trolls right there's all this pushback and 
mm, it's a chick movie and <laughs> it was a marvel movie about you know, about a female about character. a female character who has her own family and history and you know so shang chi's coming up next you know, there's going to be it's about the Asian movie. It's always somebody has a complaint. I think they're just they're great. They did a good job. I enjoyed it. You know, I, it's going to win an Oscar. No, but <laughs> yeah. fits in well with the MCU. So I highly recommend it. Oh, I'll try and I'll try and pick it up. My wife is going camping for three days on her own, so we're going to see how that goes. Oh, you and your son can watch it. Then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and for me, the other media I'm compo- so I got accepted to uh, Adobe Creative Camp. Right, congratulations, for Premiere Pro. And yeah. um, so this is a uh, this kind of a boot camp for people. You have to apply and you have to be selected, and um, and uh, you have it's about a six week program. Yeah. And uh, at, towards the end, there's pitch week, so you get to you have to produce a video, and right. you try and try and you get creative you get uh, constructive criticism on it and mm. it is there's a quite the collection of mentors and they try and help you out and uh, it's um, it's it's interesting it's going to be a bit of a commitment for the next six weeks but uh, but I'm looking forward to it because I was started a blog but I was using Adobe Rush and Adobe Rush is good for certain things but I kind of uh, especially on my my laptop it was kind of pushing the ability of my laptop to okay so, yeah so, so this is adobe pro premier pro premier pro which is their video editing software right. so yeah and so is this course aimed at corporate producers is it people who want to make it is short over, film all or? over the map so there's been some really interesting so there i've i've met already through this this i've only had one um we had one thing and then we did these little breakout rooms yeah 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 and uh, i met tiktokers vloggers food photographers fashion photographers people who are directors of photography in los los angeles wow um people from the uk who are marketing firms sure. people who are um from india and like like it's and from Africa, it's astonishing. Interesting. Where so is this going to be predominantly focused on the like the the software? It's understanding itself? how to use the software and then how to structure. Uh, so I got in. Uh, it's not film school. It's of, not of film school, sort. but it is. Well, it's, I guess maybe it's like film school of a sort. Okay. Because uh, I was watching um, a YouTuber and he did this YouTube video that was totally different from his previous stuff and it was really good right and then at the end he revealed that the reason it had changed and he he got accepted (laughs) into this creative camp right and said you know it was worthwhile and all that stuff and 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 he said you know if you're interested here's where you can sign up there's a list they only let people in at certain periods of time okay cool and so i tried and uh, i applied and i got in so well that's awesome yeah so it's kind of good for you kind of cool yeah the the youtuber his name was chris sale he's a he's a photographer in uh in the midlands of uh of the uk interesting yeah, I mean it's it's you know, amazing how much talent you know there's out there now in the in the creative realm, whether it be TikTok or or YouTube and uh, or even what we're doing here, right? Not, not that I want to say that we're particularly talented, but <laughs> but the ability to produce content it's just it's phenomenal. And, well, the uh, TikTok is. 
quite interesting in terms of I, I am always amazed at how much effort some of these people put into their TikToks because right, it's not insignificant. No, and, uh, and if you have skills, very creative. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just last week, I was on Twitter and there was a trend uh, about film school and a bunch of people calling out their Columbia universities, the masters in fine arts, and saying it's really not worth it. Like almost calling it a scam. Oh, I hope we don't get sued here, but <laughs> this was a Twitter, it was a Twitter thread saying how a bunch of people go and you get sold on how this will be your gateway to, you know, the movie business. And they're saying like, the only people I know that actually made it dropped out and went to Los Angeles. And like none of the people that actually went through the, they all wind up then teaching or, or um, so it's almost like one of these, sometimes if you've got talent, you're almost better off to, go do it, learn from some of these more hands-on, you know, sources and uh, just kind of let your talent flow as opposed to like going in to get the, like the academic degree. And especially if you're expecting that somehow, you know, you'll become the next Spielberg because well, I think there's a lot of, he kind of uh, mostly just went and did it. Well, I think if you expect taking a course is going to solve everything and get you doing whatever, just by learning how to do it. It's not the same as the people who are absolutely driven to do exactly. it. Exactly. will find out for themselves. Well, like I said, mastery, mastery is hard, right? Yeah. Like to, to, to invest the time and, and be creative and innovative and try new things. And well, for me, when I, whenever I edit videos, I'm always like, I'm a bit too much of a perfectionist. And, ah, like, yes. uh, and so it's been, it's been a, been a bit of a, bit of an adventure trying to deal with that aspect of it cool um, it works great for still images but right video is a little more complicated well i look forward to uh seeing your project when you're you done too. <laughs> excellent <laughs> okay so um what's our next episode what's our next episode our next episode i will be talking about um, two things uh, pandemic Pandemic and its effect on my coffee and okay. pandemic and its effect on my cooking. Oh, so wow. uh, we will talk that about this. And maybe I'll, I'll even share a recipe on how to have the best scrambled oh, eggs ever. Awesome. Yes. I look forward to it. Okay. Will we cook in studio like those other shows? No. Oh, too bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I guess okay. that wraps up seven. Lucky number seven. Lucky, luck, lucky number seven. That's awesome. I think we were over... I don't know, 80 or 90 downloads for the whole series yeah, you know so what? far. So it, it's good. It's good. We're getting there. It's yeah. taking time, but, uh, and we're covering a whole lot of territory. We are. We're, we're all, all over, over the, the map. Place. Yeah, we're that's okay. Difficult to pin down. Well, maybe that's our, our, our niche, our niche, yes. the no niche niche. Exactly. Oh, brother. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll talk to you next week. Sounds good, man. Take care. Yeah. You too. Man. <laughs>